0: Perspective makes all the difference. I'm curious, how many of you, uh, if you had to vote, and you do, uh, who would you vote for to be the best NBA player ever? Just say it out loud. A few, a few younger people said LeBron, but they're, they're young. <laughs> I heard Larry Bird. That didn't come up in the first service. I'm going to vote for Michael Jordan. And since I'm standing here, I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> but actually, there's a, a, a wonderful quote. Maybe you've heard this quote before. He once said this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. Well, from that perspective, he was a failure because of how many times He failed. Or is it something different than that? Or Jonas Salk, maybe you've heard of Jonas Salk. He was a doctor who discovered the vaccine for polio. He came up with 200 vaccines that did not work. And someone asked him, how did it feel to fail 200 times trying to get it right? He had a very interesting answer. He actually said, I never failed 200 times at anything in my life. In my family, we were taught not to use the word failure. I just discovered 200 ways how not to make a vaccine for polio. (laughs) Or Thurgood Marshall, a brilliant attorney, the first African-American to serve as a justice on the Supreme Court, almost didn't make it out of college because he was suspended twice for pulling pranks on other students. Success or failure? Or this one, Winston Churchill was once asked, What most prepared you to lead Great Britain against the German assault on England in World War II? Churchill said, it was the time that I had to repeat the third grade. And someone said, you mean you failed a grade? Winston Churchill failed in elementary school? He said, I've never failed at anything in my life. I was just given two opportunities to pass. (laughs) If you're a student, you can use that with your parents. Perspective matters. How we see things matters. And in this series, we're talking about no filter. The best pictures, right, are the ones tagged on Instagram, no filter. It's so beautiful, I didn't even have to doctor it up. In a world that's doctored up, where we don't see what's really there, we can actually learn to see things without a filter. See, God has a perspective too. God's perspective is a reality with a capital R. Not reality as we see it, but reality as He sees things now and forever. God wants us to live without a filter so we can live in His reality. But the problem is, today, we're looking at this idea of perspective. Sometimes it's fear that can keep us from seeing things in the right way. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever feared failure? Is there something terrifying even now in your life that just keeps you up at night maybe it's worrying about what other people think maybe it's worrying about failing or being afraid you may never succeed maybe there's a struggle in your life that requires self medication you can't seem to relax or you can't seem to get past your anger or anxiety or depression it's it's like a monster that you can't seem to overcome or perhaps it's more like a giant, something that seems impossible. Can't seem to find your way when it comes to your career or to your finances. Or tension in your marriage or in your relationships. Or even the fear of never getting married. Is it a monster or is it a giant that's getting in the way? See, the thing about fear is that can actually be very isolating. When we're feeling afraid, we tend to think that we're the only ones Whoever felt such intense fear. And so for a moment, this is a place where we say, no perfect people allowed. That means you can be authentic with where you're at because that's actually how you move forward. Come as you are means come just as you are and you don't have to stay as you are. But the path out is to be honest with where you're at. And so for just a moment, I want you to be honest. Just consider for a moment, have you ever been afraid? If you're having trouble thinking of a time you were afraid, Think of that first day of school when you were a kid. Or maybe asking that particular someone out or going out on that first date with someone you really liked. Or maybe it was for a job interview. Have you ever felt fear? Or maybe it was when you were stuck in that car where they kept putting that song, Friday, Friday, over and over and over. So just in a moment of authenticity and honesty, just raise your hand. Have you ever been afraid? Alright, so look, if you felt like you were the only one that ever felt fear, you are not alone. This is a place where we've all experienced fear, every single one of us. And so what do we do in those moments when the monsters seem to be too scary? Where the giants seem to be too, good, too big? Well, we're going to look at a story today of the Israelites. The Israelites had lived in the promised land but a terrible drought came, and they actually moved to Egypt. And things went great for a while until it didn't. And eventually they became slaves. They were oppressed. They were abused for hundreds of years. And if you know the story, there was a miraculous season where God actually brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery and miraculous ways, ten miraculous signs, and even they crossed through The Red Sea, God split the sea so they could make their way towards the promised land, their home, it's where they were from, it's where they were headed. And I want you to think about this amazing moment in history. About 3,500 years ago, the promised land was a fruitful land, a good land, and God wanted to give it back to them. And so there were approximately 2 million Israelites wandering through the desert back to the promised land. I mean, think about that. That's as many people, almost as in Austin. Give it a couple months and we'll be about two million people (laughs) wandering through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And then they get there and they're right on the edge. They're right on the edge. And listen to what happens in Numbers chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, and they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They were saying, it's amazing. It's just like God said, flowing with milk and honey. This is an expression that says, it's awesome. It's amazing, it's a fruitful place, but there are giants in the land. The descendants of Anak were tall, massive people. The people Goliath came from, they became afraid. They'll squash us like bugs. The circumstances looked impossible. When that happens in your life, do you step out in faith or do you retreat in fear? Well, 10 of these 12 spies opted for fear. Listen to what happens. They are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. See, this is how fear works. When we see things through a filter of fear, giants become even bigger than they really are I mean these people were tall but there's no way the Israelites were the size of grasshoppers in their presence (laughs) how many times do we see something an obstacle and it becomes bigger and bigger and then we begin to rally others around us just like these 10 spies trying to tell them hey this place is scary you're with me right let's not go there no one wants to go hang out with giants when you're a grasshopper Maybe the same has been happening in your life. There's a monster, there's a giant that seems to be looming. Maybe it's the, the monster of debt that seems even more impossible so we just give up and add more to it. Maybe it's that addiction that seems so powerful so we don't even try anymore to overcome. Or that fear of being alone so terrifies that we just keep running in fear to one bad relationship after another. See, when we look at the giants and monsters through the human filter of, I can't. They grow. They get bigger. They gain power. So even the rumors grow among the Israelites of how impossible the situation is until, Numbers 14 says, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's go back to being slaves. They wanted to go back to what they were familiar with, what they were comfortable with. It's what they knew best. They were looking at things through a filter of fear. God was saying, I want to lead you into a great land. It's your home, the promised land. You used to live there. It's awesome. And there they can see it, but they cannot see it. They're right at the edge, but they see it through their own negative filter. A filter of fear. They don't see it through what's possible with God. And it's easy, by the way, when you read these stories to become quite judgmental. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, They saw the most miraculous things. Uh, if I just could see God at work, we say to ourselves, do something miraculous, I would never doubt again. But in reality, we do, all the time. We, we judge them for their desire to go back. I mean, they walked through the sea that was split in two for them, and then all of a sudden, up, I feel like a grasshopper. Let's go back. I'd rather be a slave, normal size, than a grasshopper on the edge of the promised land. How many times do we find ourselves shrinking back in fear? See, we're more comfortable with what we know, even if it's unhealthy, even if it's not what God desires for us. We're unwilling to take the risk of stepping out in faith. See, with God's help, we can change. We don't have to be stuck. We don't have to be trapped by the giants and the monsters that are in front of us. But it requires faith. And unfortunately, faith operates in the realm of uncertainty. And it's in the realm of uncertainty that God invites us to step, to trust Him. A place where we're uncomfortable, but a place where God can come through for us in ways we could never imagine. The Israelites wanted to go back to slavery. It's important to know as we look at the scriptures that that they actually can help us see things from a new perspective. They're like case studies. Some are great examples for us. Some are terrible examples for us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul, who started many of the churches after Jesus came, he writes this in the letter to the church of Corinth. He writes, These things have happened to them, talking about the people in the Hebrew Scriptures, as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. See, there are spiritual principles that God wants to teach you and I from this. Instead of seeing the giants and monsters with no filter, we can actually begin to trust God's promises, such as it was for freedom that Christ set you free, that God has the power to overcome. Matthew 19, Jesus said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, if God makes a promise, it's possible. No matter what the circumstances might be, what are the giants you face? Maybe it's fear of financial ruin or fear of losing your job if you do the right thing, or or fear of never being loved if you honor God with your sexuality, or maybe you fear nothing. You're a conqueror, you're an overcomer, you're tough. But the people around you keep telling you that something's wrong. They're hurting and can't, you cannot seem to see that you're the one that's hurting them. If you're thinking, I don't have any giants or monsters, then let me just encourage you, ask the people you came with. Maybe they can help you see things that you cannot. See, most of us see giants or monsters because we look at life and circumstances through a filter of fear. I want to take you back for just a moment. Do you remember as a kid going to bed? Most of us as kids, we don't like bedtime, right? We want to stay up as late as our parents would let us. And in those moments when they tuck you in, it doesn't matter what book they read to you, it doesn't matter how much they prayed for you, eventually they do what you exactly don't want them to do. They leave and they turn off the light. Do you remember laying in that bed? Your imagination begins to turn. What's in that closet? Did I hear something? And you think to yourself to get out and run to mom and dad, but then you remember, wait a minute, if there are monsters in the closets, they could be under the bed too. Uh, A monster in the closet, at least you can see under your bed. That's horrifying. And so you try to do what your mom told you, to, to think about other things, and so you try to count sheep only to see those sheep develop fangs. And so you have nowhere to turn. You can't get out of bed. You know something's in that closet. Even your imagination is freaking you out. And so you do what every child does in that situation Mom, Dad. And your mom or your dad comes in, and what did they do? They turn on the light. They take you by the hand and they show you there's nothing in that closet, there's nothing under the bed. Now go to sleep, right? (laughs) See, monsters can't live in the light. Giants can't survive in the light. And you know what? As horrified and scared as you were, suddenly with the light on, holding your father's hand, you could walk towards the closet, even open the door. See, your heavenly father puts his hand out for you and says, what scares you is tiny to me. That giant, that monster has nothing on me. Take that giant, take that monster, bring it into the light, hold your father's hand, let him show you. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to keep you from what your heavenly father has for us. See, the problem is some of us, have a distorted view, even of God. Our view of God is is built around misperceptions developed in the context of religious environments or even moms or dads that didn't fully grasp how to be a mom or a dad. And so some of us have even walked away from, from God when in reality we're actually walking away from a caricature of God. Listen to God's true character. Listen to His heart for you. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, and so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We cannot be both in God's presence and trapped in fear at the same time. Some of us wonder, where is God? Why isn't he showing up? It's because we're stuck over here in fear, unwilling to take his hand, to step out of certainty into the realm that requires faith. Are you willing to to see things differently? See, the Israelites were comparing themselves to some very tall people. When you compare yourself to the giant, you're gonna look small. But when you compare the giant to the creator of the universe, You could add up every monster and giant you've ever faced and they are nothing in comparison with the creator of the universe who is described as the very essence of love. And in his presence, he allows us to live a life without fear. So your addiction might feel impossible, your debt feels gigantic, your marriage feels doomed, your relationships never work. Your business feels busted, but that's because it's from your perspective. You're comparing the situation to your power. But instead, take that giant, take that monster, bring it into the light, hold your heavenly Father's hand, and all of a sudden, everything looks different. See, God is the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible for Him. And when we say yes to His invitation to hold His hand, you see, God came and lived among us lived a perfect life, taught with authority, brought healing to the people around him, ultimately dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And his name is Jesus. And his power, which can defeat death, can also help us overcome whatever we might face. Now, this doesn't mean that everything goes as we want. It means he is always with us no matter what may come or go. That he can help us overcome. Do you know, a hundred times in the scriptures, we're told to not fear? We think of the, as the Bible as just filled with a bunch of do's and don'ts, and we pick out the, the don'ts we don't like and the do's we don't like. But what if we just for a moment, just try to obey this one? hundred times, it says in the scriptures, "Fear not. Do not be afraid. Don't fear them. Don't fear anything. Well, why would the scriptures tell us? How is it possible to live life in this broken and mean and angry world and not be afraid? I mean, have you watched the news lately? How can you not be afraid? The Scriptures tell us right here. In one of these 100 times. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. Over and over and over, the scriptures say, Don't fear. And the reason we don't need to fear is because God, the creator of the universe, the one whose love compelled him to give his life for you, is with you. God is telling us, I've got this, it's under control. See, this seemingly impossible situation didn't catch God napping. He's not flustered that somehow things got away from him somehow. He doesn't want you to fear anything. He wants you to see your giants or impossible situations, the monsters, the struggles you can't seem to overcome through the eyes of faith, his eyes. And of the 12 spies, two of them did just that. Numbers 14, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. As word began to travel amongst the Israelites how scary this is and how they didn't want to go and how they'd rather be enslaved, Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is good, exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Just don't rebel against the Lord. The only two spies that came back seeing the exact same thing but had a filter removed. They didn't see with eyes of fear but with eyes of faith. They chose God and his promise through which to view their impossible situation. They compared the power of God and his promise which made the giants tiny in their sight. They were going to move forward towards this promised land in faith, not run back in fear to slavery. I wonder, do you know God's promises? I mean, what's beautiful about the scriptures is it's filled with God's promises. We can see how people responded and when they turned away and when they trusted. And it's a a message for us. You and I can discover the promises of God if we just begin looking at the scriptures, even on our own throughout the week. Looking at the scriptures in community, whether it's the people with whom we serve on Sundays or in a life group or in recovery groups. In fact, one of the founders of the recovery movement, his name is Sam Shoemaker. Listen how he describes what what happens when we begin to step out, even tiny steps in faith. He says this, something comes into our own energies and capacities and expands them. We are laid hold of by something greater than ourselves. We can face things, create things, accomplish things that in our own strength would have been impossible. The Spirit of God seems to mix and mingle His power with our own. See what the Israelites should have done? Is taken off the fear filter and replace it with God's reality. And then just ask God to give them the power to take that next step. Just one step at a time towards the promised land. Let God take care of the how in your life. Just take the step that he wants you to take. Don't give in to fear. What if this? What if that? And here's what's incredibly sad about this story. Ten times the Israelites were given the opportunity to change their mind, and ten times they refused to let go of fear. So then, the scriptures tell us, the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I performed among them? Moses asked, In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised except Caleb and Joshua. I want you to hear that Caleb and Joshua were rewarded for their faith. In spite of the massive vote, all 2 million but these two didn't want to go. But Caleb and Joshua eventually made it to the promised land. In fact, Joshua was one who followed in the footsteps of Moses and led his people into the promised land, and Caleb was able to get there as well 40 years later. Now, the name Caleb in its original meaning means dog. My wife and I named our son Caleb. Not because it means dog, but actually what's beautiful is that the name Caleb has actually come to mean brave because of this one man who redefined the meaning of his name from, for all future generations because he was willing to trust, willing to give up fear and step into faith. Wouldn't it be something if you and I lived the kind of lives of faith that the meaning of our name became different for every future generation. God is inviting us. Are we willing to trust him? Maybe you feel like you've been trapped. What we hear in this is also a warning. Ten different times, God gave them the opportunity to trust him and and they refused. And so eventually what we discover is that eventually God gives us what we ask for. They did not want to go, so he did not make them go. When we are contemptible towards God, saying to God, you're clueless, God. You don't know what you're talking about. Eventually, God gives us what we want. The beauty of a relationship with God is that God offers us forgiveness, but, but he also entrusts us with enough freedom that we can actually make decisions that are counter to what he has for us. And as a result, there are consequences that do come. And if we allow them, those consequences can actually be what turns our heart back to Him. And if we entrust even the worst moments of our life back to Him, He can even miraculously bring good out of those same consequences. Will we trust God? See, some of us, we feel like we're wandering in the desert. I want you to know it's never too late to trust Him, it's never too late to step out in faith. Some of you might even be bored in your faith, not realizing that God has more for you, more than you could ever ask or imagine. Maybe he's inviting you to be a part of helping someone else overcome the same giants and monsters you've overcome. Maybe there's someone in your life, even a family member, that he wants you to help lead towards faith. God has an adventure for you. If you're bored, it's because you're not stepping out in faith towards what he has for you next See, here's the amazing thing. What used to scare us when we were kids no longer scares us. So isn't it possible that's what's scaring us now, 20 years from now, we'll look back on and and laugh at how silly that was. This past week, my wife, Deborah, and I watched a, a new special on Netflix called Jerry Before Seinfeld. It's hilarious. And he does this little bit about how Kids raised in the 60s and 70s had parents that are very different than parents today. He, he talked about there's no seat belts and how our parents fed us sugar all the time. Any of you have a sugar cereal growing up? How many have it for like breakfast and lunch and dinner, right? <laughs> he, he, he talks about how at one point, one of the cereal companies just got greedy. They just called the cereal cookie crisp. We weren't even trying to hide it anymore. We're eating cookies for breakfast. And we look back and we can't believe our parents would give us like cigarettes that look, or candy that looked like cigarettes. <laughs> and we think our parents are just clueless or crazy or or maybe they really didn't care about us. We're not sure which. 20 years from now, our kids, what are they going to be looking at and thinking, How, why did my parents let me on the phone all day? Why did my parents let me do that? I think I shared this a while back. I was at a, in a men's group, and I kind of shared about some of my struggles and, and, and feeling unloved at times as a kid, and, and then this 20-something guy started sharing, yeah, I felt unloved too. My parents let me do anything I wanted, anytime I wanted. It's like, I don't think that's the same story. I just shared <laughs> the opposite of my struggles. But either way, in the process, we're going to look back with a new perspective, I wonder, what is it right now that's just overwhelming that in 20 years from now is going to look so small? Why wait 20 years? Why not trust God to give you His eyes right now? I want to show a a, a short little minute and a half documentary of this one woman's story of trusting God in spite of all the brokenness and all the pain that she'd been through, just trying to take those tiny steps of faith, and how on the other side, things were far different than she could have ever imagined. Let's watch the story of Victoria.
1: Things I would not have done had I said yes to suicide and no to Christ. I wouldn't have said yes to my friend Megan four years ago when she asked if I wanted to go exploring churches with her. I wouldn't have said yes to the first church that we found. I wouldn't have said yes to serving at the check-in desk at NextGen, nor would I have said yes to leading an under two-year-old classroom six months later. I wouldn't have seen my friend Andre perform at Gateway North on stage. I wouldn't have gotten to know and get connected with his life group, nor would I have gotten to join said life group later. I wouldn't have been encouraged to be commissioned as a leader. I wouldn't have been encouraged to go to the Gateway Central Core meetings or any of the other billion core meetings after that. I wouldn't have been serving Easter Sunday at Gateway Central where I met the man I now call my fiancé. I wouldn't have met Lisa or Cameron Stark who are now my current life group leaders. I wouldn't be continually encouraged to chase after Christ with everything that I am. I wouldn't have said yes to starting my own life group in the fall. I wouldn't know any of the things God has planned for me because I wouldn't have said yes to staying, to hope, to living. I wouldn't be alive. I have tried to kill myself three times, and each time in the darkest moments, I have heard the faintest whisper telling me to stay and that I am not done with you yet. My journey with God started long before I came to this church, but the more I serve, the more I chase after Christ, the more I am shown hope The more I'm shown how much more God has planned, the more I see the I'm not done with you yet. And the more I am given a safe place to call home.
0: God is not, God is not done with you yet. You couldn't imagine a year from now, four years from now, ten years from now, what could happen if you would stare down those giants and those monsters, things you've just assumed were normal and will always be there, but you stare them down with new eyes, with God standing right beside you, holding your hand. I want to, in this moment, pray for us that we would not shrink back in fear and go back towards slavery, but move towards faith, towards the promised land that he has for each and every one of us. Let's pray together, God. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are bigger than the biggest obstacles in front of us. God, some of us have assumed the worst and believed lies about ourselves or our future. God, help us to expand our imagination to allow you to show us what could be. Forgive us for becoming bored, for settling for where we're at for assuming these monsters or giants are too big for us or impossible to overcome. God, whatever it is that's, that we're facing, God, show us our tiny next step of faith to trust you, to see with your eyes. So God, even as we sing this song out, I pray that would it be a declaration that we would see how you are for us and that we can trust you.